Do you love Jesus and love agriculture? In the beginning, one of the first jobs God gave people was to care for a garden. And today, many Christians are going back to the land as they feel God's call to steward His creation. Their purpose is much bigger than just growing food. It's about impacting their communities and bringing glory to their Creator. As this movement of Christian agrarians grows, the potential for changed lives and restored land is great. This is not always an easy journey, but it can be one of the most rewarding. My name is Noah Sanders, and I am a Christian farmer and homesteader. I want to welcome you to the Redeeming the Dirt podcast, the podcast for Christian gardeners, homesteaders, and farmers. Join me as I encourage us to connect our faith in farming through sharing spiritual insights, practical experiences, and inspiring interviews. Let's walk this journey together, seeking to live for Jesus excel in agriculture, and make disciples. Let's redeem the dirt. Welcome to the Redeeming the Dirt podcast, episode one. I'm Noah Sanders, a Christian farmer, homesteader, husband and uh, father of four children here in Alabama. And today I'm joined by my dad, Tim. Hi. Who we uh, are actually neighbors, aren't we? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, right through the woods. Can't quite see each other's houses except in the wintertime, but it's just, it's really close by. So the goal of this podcast, um, the reason I wanted, felt like God wanted me to start it was um, to encourage and equip Christians to live for Jesus um, through their everyday lives, and specifically with this podcast, how to do that through excelling in agriculture and how that can enable us to make disciples. So those are going to be some of the topics I hope that we can um, cover in the coming episodes and some of the stories that I hope um, will share how that's uh, how other people are doing that in their lives and on their farms. And uh, in, the reason I think this is important, you know, agriculture in particular, it was one of the first jobs that God gave to man. And um, you know, as Christians, it's not the only thing at, you know that that all of us have, are called to do. But I believe it's something foundational, and in particular today, uh, there are a lot of you know needs in agriculture um, related to you know how are we going to grow food in the future? How are we going to deal with you know some of the, the health issues and sustainability issues? And um, in general, at least my experience is that Christians are not normally known for being good stewards for being leaders in excellent agriculture. And oftentimes it's actually those who are very not Christian (laughs) or anti-Christian who are the ones kind of promoting um, some of the innovative ideas in agriculture. But there seems to be a growing community of Christians who desire to, you know, see Christ honored to, to kind of take back that area for the Lord. And if you're listening to this, I, Assume and hope that uh, that you're one of those who want to see God honored in um, in the way that we take care of the land, and just want to let you know that you are not alone. That uh, you're part of something not that uh, I'm just initiating, but that God is doing. And to me, that's uh, pretty exciting. Um, today, we want to talk about just kind of the uh, idea of what is redeeming the dirt. A little bit of the story behind. Um, the, the podcast and the concept. And, uh, and so we'll just kind of start with, with maybe how we got to the land here. So this, the land that I farm on, it actually belongs to, 
to you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you want to share a little bit about how uh, we you acquired this piece of property and how we got here? Yeah, when you were, you know, 15, 16 or whatever, we were trying to figure out what you were going to do with the rest of your life and and tried several things. And I think early on you had decided you wanted a lifestyle that allowed you to work um, from home if possible or at least involve your family in your work. And so we tried several things and you were pretty good at all of them because you were always interested in pretty much everything. But then you came on to farming and tried that kind of on a small scale at our, our home and decided that's really what you wanted to try first. Mm-hmm. And living in a community that had an agricultural college and everything else, we we had access to a lot of resources related to well, how do you learn how to farm? And I grew up in Indiana, and my concept of farming was industrial farming. And it was pretty much you had to be pretty big. So I was a little reluctant, I think, for you to go down that road because it usually involved lots of debt and lots of um, stress, really, from all the things you didn't control. Because we had some ancestors in agriculture, but by the time it got to your generation, there wasn't much left. Yes, and even in the community I grew up in, I think a lot of people appreciated the lifestyle of farming. And what we found is there were auto plants in our area, and a lot of people worked in the plants at night or whatever so they could afford to keep the family farm and keep yeah. going because they their farm was not huge enough to make a lot of money as, in the commodity market, but they loved the lifestyle of living there. Yeah. So I could relate to that when you said you wanted to do that because I liked that. I liked that lifestyle as well. I just wasn't sure at the time, you know, how practical that was for you to do that. So anyway, but you were interested in that and we were interested in maybe building a home place for our family, kind of apart from what you were trying to do, but consistent with what you're trying to do. So we started this project of looking for some land within a reasonable area of of where I was working and you kind of headed that up and through a lot of circumstances, God kind of provided a piece of land that was pretty much undeveloped. It's definitely not a farm. It was mm-hmm. just land pretty with much wilderness, wilderness <laughs> with trees on it. But he also gave us a vision that we weren't looking to, to farm hundreds of acres that we had to clear and so forth. And I think we also had the vision that, uh, the location of where we were was was rural, but we had access to to markets and towns and so forth. So it was somewhat of a uh, a joining together of a vision of wanting to create a home place mm-hmm. for my family that maybe would stay in the family for more than one generation. And then your desire, which you kind of expressed that someday when you had a family, you hoped you could live at least close to us, if not on adjoining land, and raise your family around us. And that was. And I wanted to farm, and I didn't have any land. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was. So it was one of those things that, particularly when we were thinking about, do we do this now? The timing was seemed like we pretty much either looked for a place then and kind of started that adventure of building a home place, or either I would get too old, or. <laughs> you would have to set down roots somewhere else and it would be kind of hard to put back together. Right. So we decided to 
to try it. And it wasn't, wasn't again because we weren't in a, had a nice home where we lived and, and things were good there, but we just felt like God was kind of pushing us towards something else and trying something that was risky, but just seemed to be the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and it's not like you felt like you were necessarily called to farm, no. but the lifestyle aspect uh, was something that, I mean, we always did stuff outside working together and, and all that, but the farming in particular, uh, I think when was something that interested me and mm-hmm. being able to partner up that way enabled both of us to kind of pursue what we felt like God was calling us. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I would have tackled the project of starting with wilderness and creating a home and farm and so forth. If you, if you hadn't been interested in, in farming and kind of working alongside me because someday all the kids are grown and they're going to be gone and, <laughs> But it was definitely something that seemed to be right at the time for us and something that, um, in terms of the season we were in, we had some kids old enough to help and then some mm-hmm. younger ones as well who would have an opportunity to grow up in in a rural lifestyle, which is what your mom and I kind of got to experience some growing up. And we wanted that for you kids. and. It was, in a sense, because we weren't really interested in farming ourselves, I had a job that I could provide for my family in another way. We saw ourselves as being more enablers Mm -hmm. of maybe what you wanted to do. And then, again, at the same time, maybe creating a home place that someone in our family would want to continue to live there and and kind of, I don't know, give us some roots that we didn't have um, because neither one of us grew up in this area. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I was really, I'm, I'm very blessed to have um, you as an active part of my life, someone who discipled me, you know, I was younger and, and not only showed me what it looked like to live for the Lord, but invested in me so that by the time I got to the point that I needed to decide what I wanted to do, it was very much in the context of I'm a follower of Jesus and I just want, you know, to have a life that enables me to, you know, walk with him and love others and having been homeschooled. I like that aspect of, of um, that life of, of learning and, and family, but you also went to work every day, and there's always mm-hmm. that in the back of my mind. I'm like, man, I wish Dad didn't have to go to work and do something that I couldn't help him with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of fun on the weekends, but that was part of my, my passion there to, for the farming was to really be able to just be an expression of you know a, my life that I wanted to have committed to Christ. And... Uh, and so it seemed, you know, pretty simple, you know, just find out how to farm in the best way, you know, do it in an excellent way so that it can bring glory to God and, and be kind of honest and upright and moral and, you know, an outstanding person in the way that I, I did it. Um, but at least for me, I know it got confusing and complicated once I began to um, see kind of the different, there were different definitions of success in the world of agriculture where we lived in Auburn at the time, very, you know, industrial driven, um, high emphasis on productivity and everything. I remember we always drove by the big experimental chicken houses, you know, looked like Auschwitz or something, you know, Mm -hmm. when we would go to church and, uh, you know, that first garden that I had, you know, it's triple 13, seven dust, all that, you know, it looked great for the first, the first season because that's all my retired, you know, extension, (laughs) 
friends <laughs> told me to do. Um, but eventually, I remember the one publication that I got from the extension office that was like the benefits of feeding, you know, broiler chicken manure to beef cattle. And you're like, I don't know if that's my dream. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that's really what I want to be doing. Is that, you know, is that something that God cares about how I do it or not? You know? Mm-hmm. And so it began kind of a journey for me of being, well, okay, sort of had these two extremes. One's like extreme industrial agriculture, like we saw in Auburn and, um, and some of the, it's all about science and what man can figure out, how man can manipulate nature. And then on the other end of the spectrum was the extreme organic, you know, where it's all about don't touch nature and, you know, we want to learn from nature, but you know, man's almost like a blight on the face of the earth. And I'm like, well, neither one of those really <laughs> seems to be something that is consistent with what God calls us to. And neither one of them acknowledge the creator Mm-hmm. Um, even though some people might be Christians of both camps, they weren't actively acknowledging that. So I, I think it, you, you taught us a lot growing up about worldview and about why you do what you do. And I began to evaluate that. And it, it seemed that, um, the worldview, the differing worldview of those of people that are either kind of elevating man, having all the answers or elevating nature as having all the answers is what determined the differences of the definition of success. And so it was a little confusing for me to be like, well, if I'm successful over here, these people say I'm doing a bad job or vice versa. And so that began to, to, to force me to ask the question, well, what would I, you know, as a Christian, what should I do? How should that affect my farming? And, uh, and should it, you know? And so I don't know as you, in your you know journey of work and stuff like that, did worldview factor into you're in the accounting software world, so a little bit different. Yeah. But I'm sure your thoughts on that definitely impacted my perspective of it. Yeah, well, I think we talked about how there's not really a, a secular part of your life and a spiritual part that's mm-hmm. all spiritual. I was really influenced by a book, Your Work Matters to God by Doug Sherman. Mm-hmm. He kind of explained that, you know, that, that all that we do is, every kind of work we do is God fulfilling his role as provider to both our families and to the people that we serve through our work and everything. So everything is spiritual in that sense. And so the idea of, well, I just go do my work and then I also go to church and I pray and things like that is, is not a, is not a biblical worldview. It's, it's more of a religious worldview. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what we've tried to encourage all of you, to, all you kids to do is just to view your life as being a calling from God and your work is part of that. And it's every bit as spiritual as what you do on Sunday morning. Right. And I think that's what, you know, I began to kind of realize was it was more, um, I had a need to not just, you know, basically say, Hey God, I'm doing this for you. You know, it's all for you. It's not about me. And then just kind of do it as long as I stamp it with that, you know, it's all for your glory, then it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. You know, it's all, it's all good. But that, uh, in Romans 12, it says, and I'm reading here, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And it seems, you know, funny to be talking about a verse and then talking about farming, but like as a Christian, I want to be like, what is God's will for me in farming? You know, what is, mm-hmm. what did he want me to be doing? How does, how can I be transformed? Um, because it's talking that our worship here 
is about offering our bodies as living sacrifices. So if my body is a living sacrifice to the Lord, then the way that I go out and I raise a chicken or the way that I plant my garden, you know, is either going to be an act of worship to God or it's going to be an act of worship to something else. And it's not just about what I, you know, changing my schedule on Sunday morning, but it's about submitting my whole life to the, uh, to the will of God. And so I think I began to realize, like, if I claim to worship God, then that should change the way that I do things. Mm-hmm. And so if that's true, then I need to evaluate what I'm doing and not just say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, like I'm just going to farm like everybody else does, but just be honest in the way I do it. You know, it seemed mm-hmm. to be more than that. And the, the more I did, especially, I think there's an ethical, like moral dimension when you deal with life. Yeah. That's kind of like, you know, you see in the scriptures is right and wrong ways to treat even the land, you know, the mm-hmm. animals and anything that's mm-hmm. alive that I don't think there's necessarily a right and wrong, like how you treat a piece of wood or a piece, you know, once it's not a tree, obviously mm-hmm. a piece of metal, you know, those are what you do with them is right and wrong, but there seems to be something valuable about life that God mm-hmm. says is important. And so all of a sudden how you view life and its value impacts the way that you treat it, whether you mm-hmm. believe there's an actual design or whether we can just manipulate it however we want to. Right. Because we, like you said, we we have the technology now to kind of manipulate, in some ways, life. But mm-hmm. we can't create it. There, we're true. not the yeah. creator. <laughs> we can't create life. So even when we, we play at being God by manipulating the DNA of, of living things or, or, or so forth, that we're playing with something we don't really understand because we don't have the ability to create life when you... When you plant a seed, you can't make it grow. You, right. You, you're, you don't have the ability to do that. And so there is something different about growing things, whether it's food or animals or something else, because we're, we can steward that process, but we can't actually create life and we can't make things grow. And so there is a little more built-in humility mm. to dealing with living things than there is with a hunk of metal or a piece of wood. Right, right. It's a lot more complex. And yeah. the more you, the more I read about it and the more you see the latest research, the more we realize we don't know and how yeah. incredible it is. And I think that humility is such an important aspect. And that's part of the things like how does my humility, how does my acknowledgement of God, you know, mm-hmm. impact my approach to, mm-hmm. to agriculture. And ultimately that's how, you know, that's going to be what brings glory to God. It's not just me saying I'm going to glorify God, mm-hmm. but it's uh, in Matthew, it actually says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. The glorifying God is actually a result of the fruit that comes through obeying mm-hmm. <laughs> um, God and living consistent with who he is and what he's told us to do. So, um, you know, one of the things I hope to do in this podcast later is talk about different scriptures and how that applies, because obviously in First Timothy, it talks about how the scripture equips us for every good work, you know, doesn't necessarily tell us, it's not like an agricultural how-to manual per se, but it tells us how to approach that. And uh, so that's something, part of the journey there where I really began to, to come to a place where I was like, okay, well, I want to be a, not just a farmer who's a Christian, but I want to be a Christian farmer. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be someone who's the very things that I do is defined by my beliefs. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a journey that you start on. And, and that on this podcast with redeeming the dirt, um, is what I want to 
encourage others to do, you know, it's not just adopt some legalistic approach to agriculture. Mm-hmm. That's like, we're going to follow all the old Testament laws and, you know, do this, or do that. And even the things that I do to apply my worldview doesn't mean that that's what everybody else has to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's so, so tempting to be like, okay, well I'm against GMOs and I think they don't reflect you know, good stewardship of God's creation, and therefore anybody that grows GMOs must not love Jesus because I don't grow. I, I don't grow GMOs because I love Jesus. You know, and that judgmental approach can just uh, can hinder our ability to help each other move towards what Christ has called us to. Because we all have different starting points, and we mm-hmm. all have dirt. You know, I wrote a, a book out of this called Born Again Dirt, which is a, a, kind of the idea that that's what we need to have. We need to have born again dirt that is no longer, you know, subject to the the broken a broken perspective, but when the gospel mm-hmm. transforms our mind, it's now born again dirt and the even the agriculture, the dirt that we do that we take is has a new light, is something that we we approach with a fresh perspective and a fresh starting point. So that's the idea of the then it's a journey. That's the idea of redeeming the dirt. So we're not done. We're working on it by continually applying God's principles, reevaluating every different area of my farm to be like, how can I be more consistent with what God's doing? And how can I learn from others who, you know, I'm starting with more of a small scale perspective spot. Others may be starting more, you know, in an entrenched industrial conventional farm that they got from their grandparents, you know, and I don't know where they need to, what direction they need to go to go towards mm-hmm. Christ, but maybe you can share that analogy that you always share like at weddings, you know, because the, the way to have unity is to yeah. move towards one fixed object rather than chasing each other or trailing people to chase us, you know, do it like I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the idea that we all change all the time and, and the environment that we're in changes as well. So how do we how do we have any control over what direction we're going? God is the one being who is not changing and not moving. And so if you want to grow closer to both what he wants or to another person, the only way to ensure that is to is to grow toward God because he's not moving. And I think I, I, I noticed as you, I remember noticing as you wrote the book that all that you were learning, because in essence, I think what, kind of what you're cha- you challenge me and you think about my work is is asking the question why why do, why are we doing what we're doing and that's because I grew up in an agricultural area you were questioning things that I didn't question when I was growing up because that's just the way everybody did it but I think the whole idea of trying to reform ourselves to God's word by asking why are we doing what we're doing and is it consistent with what we believe God has shown us is what we're supposed to do was mm. was challenging to me. And I, I know that you didn't write the book because you knew it all. You wrote the book because you were trying to figure out the questions, right, exactly. the answers to those questions. And I, I appreciate that because it kind of challenged me at the time. You would ask me some questions and I didn't know the answers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it forced me to think about it as well. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of our dialogues and discussions of, have helped the Lord's use that to, to teach us both a lot um, to kind of, as, as we close here, I'm going to close with kind of a, um, a, a paragraph out of the, out of my book here that kind of summarizes a little bit of my perspective on this. And I said, uh, the Christian life is a journey, not an event. 
In the same way that our lives don't become perfect when we're born again, our farms don't become perfect either. Instead, when we're born again, our lives become Christ-centered, ideally, and he takes us on a journey of sanctification, exposing and cleansing one sinful area of our lives at a time. And agriculture is is one of those areas. So as a farmer, I seek to understand why God wants me to farm and how he wants me to farm so that he can be glorified through me. And then after that, I just you know I invite people to to join me on the journey of trying to discover what that looks like because I don't know what that looks. Like. I'm trying to I'm working on that every day. There's lots of things, that, lots of questions I have, but I think as um, ideally you know I hear from people that listen to this podcast and hear some of their thoughts on it. You know, together as we seek the Lord, we can um, grow. You know, in a way that shows His work in our hearts to those around us, and that's ideally what we want to be is lights in our community, not of pretend perfectionism, Mm -hmm. but broken, you know, know, useless um, people that God is making useful again, you know, Mm -hmm. dirt that's being redeemed, not just our own lives, the dirt of our own lives, but the dirt of our land that's being turned around and becoming productive and beautiful and attractive that allows us then to point to what the root is of all that, which is Christ and his transforming power in our lives. Do you have any last thoughts? No, that's that's good. And again, I appreciate uh, what you've done and, and what God has done through you, you know, encouraging other people and look forward to just con- continuing to see that happening in your life. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you, you can go to redeemingthedirt.com. We have a contact page there. You can shoot me an email, or you can look up Redeeming the Dirt on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, if you like it, you can subscribe or share it with friends. Um, to conclude here, just want to encourage us to be humble, to seek the Creator, and to keep redeeming the dirt. Until next time, I'm Noah Sanders, and God bless. All right, before I can get back out to the garden, I've got to tell you about my new project, Redeeming the Dirt Academy. I started it last fall, and it is an online educational mentorship experience featuring video courses, interactive community, and life coaching designed for Christian gardeners, homesteaders, and market farmers. We've had a lot of live events at our farm and conferences in the past, but not everybody can make them, and make it to them because we're busy with our farms and I can't afford to put them on all the time because I'm trying to do what I'm encouraging others to do, which is farm to the glory of God. And that takes time. And so does my family. So this is a great way for us as Christian farmers to be able to interact with each other. It's a great way for me to be able to share things that I've learned Topics that we have on there range from making compost and simple soil science to homestead design marketing and marketing options for farm businesses. Um, Also included are pressing topics like balancing farm work and family and making disciples as farmers and being prepared for suffering. Now, if you're listening, you're probably one of the growing number of Christians today who feel called to serve God through agriculture, whether that be with a small garden, homestead, or market farm. And we desire to live a lifestyle of tending the land, working with our families, serving our communities with good food, and letting our gardens, homesteads, and farms shine the light of Christ to those around us. I feel a strong desire to see Christians equipped to be leaders in the realm of agriculture. And it isn't just about having pretty farms. We need to be bringing hope to the last, the least, and the lost, and sharing the love of Jesus with the poor around us. 
So if you share the same heart and want to be equipped to be part of this movement, then Redeeming the Dirt Academy may be part of what can help you. We offer resources and a support community to help you get started. So if you're interested, go to redeemingthedirtacademy.com to start your free one-week trial today, and I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, Noah here again. I wanted to tell you all about a an exciting opportunity you have next month, uh, June 23rd through 28th, to uh, join me at the 2019 Lamplighter Guild. The Lamplighter Guild is an event. It's not put on by me. It's put on by Lamplighter Ministries. And I uh, became familiar with it a few years ago and really liked the idea because the vision for the Guild is a live event where um, they bring together Christians that are um, well-known in different fields and bring them together and uh, have a week where students can learn from the different instructors, but also just have an amazing experience with God and learning to integrate God into the arts, into drama. Um, the way that they put it, they said it, it's the guild is an awakening, a renaissance of creative excellence framed by the word of God and demonstrated by faith, which is so cool to me because that's my passion with agriculture is I want to see um, agriculture transformed by the word of God, where Christians are applying the scriptures, applying their relationship with God in a way that just transforms agriculture. And in the past, uh, the guild has um, focused primarily on things like uh, story creation, script writing, stage and voice acting. They still have all those in it. So it's it's a lot of neat. Um, it's not just um, one thing. It has a lot of different arts um, photography, filmmaking, painting, biblical theology, dis- digital music composition, and bring all these different teachers together in one week, and students can sign up for different classes. And last year, I was honored and excited to be able to bring the first horticulture class to the guild, and we had an amazing time with the students there as we um, learned about what God says about agriculture and we made compost and we put in gardens trying to apply God's design principles that we saw in creation. And in addition to our classes that we had um, as with our horticulture um, class, there was also main sessions with incredible musicians that we got to listen to and keynote speakers. And um, there were just some amazing moves of God where God worked in the hearts of some of the young people there and older people just to be able to... Um, just really impact some lives. So it's an incredible life-changing experience. And I really uh, would con- encourage you to consider praying about coming. Uh, I know it's kind of last minute. It's only uh, a little over a month away, but you can pray about that and consider joining me there where I'll be teaching the horticulture class for six days, June 23rd through 28th. And for more information, you can go to lamplighterguild.com. Go to lamplighterguild.com and uh, get some more information there and consider signing up and joining me next month at the 2019 Lamplighter Guild. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention it's in beautiful Mount Morris, New York at the Lamplighter campus. So look forward to seeing you there.